this week, we will talk about career transitioning from data analytics to data science. And we have a special guest today, Andrada. Andrada worked for two and a half years as a data analyst, and then she decided to make a career switch, and she became a data scientist. And today she will share uh, her experience with us. So welcome. Hello, everybody. I'm super glad I could join. And yeah, I hope you're going to get something interesting from this. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So before we go in, uh, into our main topic, so let's start with your background. Can you, can you tell us a bit more about your career journey so far? Um, yeah, so I, was, uh, I did my undergrad in statistics. Um, during that time, I wanted to get a little bit of domain knowledge hands-on, and I was a data analyst at Avon Cosmetics in my country, uh, in Bucharest, Romania. Um, afterwards, I made a, I did a master's in data science and analytics in the UK. Uh, during that time, I found uh, my passion about Kaggle on, on Kaggle as well. And afterwards, I came back and I started working working at Endava as a data scientist. Uh, and that's about it. So now you're in uh, Bucharest. Now, yeah, I'm in Bucharest, and it's super sunny, and I'm super excited about it. Does it often happen that you have sun? Uh, uh, yeah, but in UK it wasn't. It wasn't okay. the case. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So how did you realize? So you were studying statistics. You were working mm -hmm. as a data analyst. How did you realize that you want to go into data science? So I guess it was. I guess it was a, a multitude of factors. One was that I had this. So I think the main reason I would say now that I'm thinking about it was uh, a girl in my class, in my statistics class, who was talking obsessively about data science. And I was a data analyst and I was doing my thing and I liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, actually, but she was talking a lot about data science and I was uh, watching also uh, some machine learning uh, articles and so on. So I was like, okay, what is this? It's, it's, it's so confusing to me. And afterwards I started researching and um, during that time, I also knew I wanted to, to do a master's. And because I already was uh, working at Avon and I was a data analyst, I was like, okay, I want to do a master's a little bit deeper, not only or, or not on what I already know, right? So, uh, okay, then I will start doing data science. And then because I wanted to kind of get ahead and not be a super noob, <laughs> when I went into that master's, I didn't know how hard it's going to be. Um, I started uh, some courses on my own on basics on data science. And then I kind of discovered how fantastic that is. And I started enjoying more and more. And because I kind of felt like I already knew some data analytics, although it might not be the case, I went into data science full on and I've been doing it since then. Mm -hmm. Do you remember which uh, courses did you take? Oh, yeah, very, very vividly. <laughs> um, so the first thing that introduced me to data science, the very first thing, and I highly recommend it to anybody who, who didn't 
to Python who doesn't know about machine learning, I also only knew about regressions because I did them in statistics, linear regressions. So that's it. I highly recommend the data science and machine learning bootcamp on Udemy. It's from Joseph Portilla, I think. Portilla, someone, he's, he's absolutely amazing. Like he did these courses so, so nicely and he teaches you, okay, this is Anaconda and this is how you start Jupyter Notebook. Okay, let's start with Python. Now I'm going to explain to you some pandas and some NumPy. Okay, now what's linear regression? Now I know you didn't come only for a linear regression. So take some, I don't know, random forest or decision trees and so on. So I really, at that moment, I understood what data science is and I had my foundation. And afterwards you can build on whatever you want, but that was the foundation i really really needed so uh was it something that you you did this course during your undergrad studies in statistics or something later during your masters i did them before my masters so Mm -hmm. i think it was the summer before my masters i was still working but i wanted to to prepare a little bit Mm -hmm. yeah So, so you so there was a girl in your class yeah. and she told you, okay, there is this thing and you started to read more and more about that. Then you finally found that course on uh, Udemy uh, mm-hmm. and you did that course and you understood, okay, this is a super cool thing. And then you decided, okay, I want to spend more time doing that. And you decided yeah. to go and uh, yeah. do a master's. And I guess Kegel was a big factor as well mm-hmm. because... Uh, it's the community and the comments and the medals and the fact that you can interact with somebody. Like you post on Stack Overflow. Uh, I was dragged actually on Stack Overflow once I posted and they downvoted my, <laughs> my post. Oh, sorry. Because I was like, oh, you didn't put the question right. Although I put a disclaimer there. You know, I, I, I haven't done this before. Sorry. <laughs> and I've never post, uh, asked the question on Stack Overflow again. Whereas on Kaggle, you can just, you know, ask. And people are so nice. So Kaggle was a big factor as well. And how, how did you discover Kaggle? So you, you were doing this uh, bootcamp course on Udemy. Um, was it... Uh... Did you find Kaggle after the course during uh, or like during your master's or when? Um, so my first interaction with Kaggle was uh, somebody told me during my undergrad studies uh, and I entered. I didn't understand anything was going on with this. This is a spaceship. I'm out um, afterwards. And this is why I'm saying this was a big foundation, such a big foundation for me. Uh, during that Udemy course, at some point or towards the end, I can't remember, he was like, you can practice more on Kaggle. Hmm. I was like, oh, okay. I, I remember that spaceship <laughs> I was so afraid about. Hmm. So I naturally went into Kaggle and I didn't even, I knew it was complicated. I didn't want to do anything with it. Just the courses give me the courses I want to understand more and more and afterwards because they kind of tease you from the courses into a competition I entered really into the world and um, this is how it happened 
And then what happened then? Yeah. <laughs> 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 then, uh, so then I didn't even understand what I was doing when I was, I remember, I didn't even understand what I was doing when I was sharing the notebook. Mm-hmm. And I remember the only thing I wanted to do was to improve my model. It was the basic the sales high of Iowa house price competition, which is the natural progression from the machine learning courses on Kaggle, which are, by the way, absolutely amazing and are, in my opinion, were best over that course on Udemy because I had my foundation, but then I... I, I found out how to put some new questions to improve my models and make them better. Yeah, so uh, I started trying to improve the models and then because I wanted to understand more, I started, okay, so I learned visualization. Now I'm going to do a notebook on visualization. I was just my only purpose of, of doing the notebooks was just to use the data sets on Kaggle because they were interesting and then to practice my skill that I wanted to, to, to gain on Kaggle. So I wasn't posting to gain medals or something much more later. Um, so I did this notebook, which is highly appreciated, although I don't understand why, because it's, it's so basic. I, Whatever. Maybe that's on... why, like it's basic and simple, and people can just uh, open it and understand what's going on. And uh, uh, I remember that uh, on Kaggle, sometimes mm-hmm. uh, there is a good notebook that kind of gives you a good score, but you have no idea what's going on. Uh, oh it's, yeah, it's so complex. <laughs> it's for for smart people, very very smart people. And uh, yeah, and maybe that's why because like it's so simple and people can understand and relate and really follow through and um, see what's going on and learn from this. And uh, yeah, just to so you're uh, you you took some courses on Kaggle, right? And then uh, mm-hmm. at the end they kind of teased you to to try competition, and then the competition was about predicting prices for houses, yeah. right? And you did now one notebook there. And as I understood, it kind of become uh, became popular, right? So people started to no. upload this notebook. No? Oh, oh, that one yeah. was. I think it still has twenty upvotes after one year and a half okay. or something. No, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> what, but although in my opinion it was pretty good, like I jumped, I became obsessed on the leaderboard, and I jumped at some point after some hardcore hyperparameter tuning. I remember I stayed one day nine hours straight. <laughs> oh, that hyperparameter tuning. But it was so exciting because the error was dropping and I was like, oh, oh my God. Okay. And I remember I went to top 5% or 3% or something. And so it was super addictive. But what it happened afterwards, I started to kind of try to gain more knowledge on multiple things. And I remember I was super, I didn't have any any knowledge on pandas and how to uh, manage data frames and it took me it, it was taking me a lot a lot a lot of time to do anything visualizations everything it was taking me a long time because I was a beginner and I did that um, Brazil fires analysis which was just that it was the moment when there was uh, that problem in the world but also I wanted to try to 
exper experience on a data set that I was passionate about. And that one, that notebook, I remember I did somewhere in September last year. I didn't, I never went to Kaggle until I think late October, just because I was doing my master's and I was kind of, oh, what, what's, what's this, <laughs> you know? And when I went back to Kaggle, although I already had like two or three notebooks and no upvotes or whatsoever, how do people get these? I, I don't understand. Um, I had the silver medal or something. Mm -hmm. I was like, do people see this? <laughs> what? <laughs> and that's when actually everything everything started. So as I understood, uh, so like we talked uh, mm -hmm. quite a lot about Kaggle and as I understood, that was uh, one of the main drivers for your learning. So you picked up Pandas, uh, uh, some other data wrangling skills, uh, visualization, uh, doing exploratory data analysis. And I think this is like when you learn something, especially data science, but it's not just for data science. When you learn anything, the important thing is to do projects. Would you say that for you, the projects that you did to learn data science were mostly coming from Kaggle or you also did some other projects to learn it? 90% of them came from Kaggle. The other 10% were my dissertation and... I think a few other projects that I had in my master's uh, and then I kind of translated them, two of them, I actually translated them into, into Kaggle. Mm -hmm. So still Kaggle. <laughs> mm -hmm. and how did you translate them? Uh, like well, you were writing your thesis, you said, and then how did you put this to Kaggle? Just uploaded your notebooks there or? Mm, not really, because it was some, some of them were data sensitive. For example, uh, I had this amazing module in my master's that was hands-on, and we had three projects. Um, two of them, three projects? Three projects. Two of them were in teams, and we would change team after each project, which was exhausting, but they wanted to push us to interact with as many people as possible. And the last one was uh, solo. And what happened, for example, from the first project, it was on audio files. Mm -hmm. And that project I use heavily in the uh, bird call competition on Kaggle, heavily. Mm -hmm. uh, the second one was on fraud detection. And after I finished it, what I did was I didn't use the, oh, actually the data they used was from Kaggle, but they've altered it a little bit. So what I did was I just translated what I've done uh, in that fraud detection challenge, I would say. Uh, I would call it to the to Kaggle using the data set on Kaggle, so not the one they provided. And the last one, I can't even remember what was the project about. Oh, the fraud detection was the last one. The one in between was the one with sensitive data that I couldn't I couldn't use, but it mm -hmm. was super like on optimization on. It was super complicated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And my dissertation, for example, I did sentiment analysis on their bike sharing scheme in Belfast. I was in Belfast and I learned so many interesting things. And what I did is 
after I finished, I remember the person who actually hired me, who's a grandmaster as well on Kegel, Gabi Preda. Shout out to Gabi Preda. He's absolutely amazing. He uh, texted me on LinkedIn and he said, have you seen uh, the, the data set on COVID tweets? And I was like, oh, yeah. Do you want to do a sentiment analysis on it? And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I transcribed everything I kind of uh, learned in my dissertation to a fun interactive Kaggle notebook on that data set. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I heard what you said, like, uh, so you found a job because uh, uh, somebody from Kaggle reached you and I think that person, uh, I don't, what was the, the name? Gabi Preda. Okay. So, so he found you on Kaggle, of course, right? And then... Uh... Or I found him, I think. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think it was more from me than from him. Um, yeah, so... Kaggle was full of opportunities from for me. And when I started, I never realized. And this is why I encourage every time. And I think people are getting bored. So if you if you listen to two talks from me, I'm a Kaggle maniac, but just because it brought me so many opportunities and uh, my job was one of them. Mm -hmm. And what happened is at first, when I started doing Kaggle, I wasn't used to any Romanian name. So when I found the rankings, it took me like half a year into Kaggle is super complex. I, I guess I wasn't curious enough. Uh, so when I, uh, went into rankings with the idea of I wanted to take a lot of people, especially from the top, and follow them. And I recommend this to everybody. Follow people on Kaggle, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, or on anything. They usually have the handle. If they are in top 50, it means they are very top 100 top 200 i i think i took to a uh, top 200 people it means that they are super passionate and it might be that you you have something to learn from them anyways and when i saw in top five or six or something a romanian name i was shocked i was like oh we can do this too what <laughs> and i followed him um and I was like, I was super chill. I didn't, I didn't text him or anything. I was like, well, me, uh, I think a contributor at that time or something like that. I, I'm not going to do this. And afterwards, I think, I, I don't know how he remarked me, but I, at some point he followed me back and he left me like a super sweet comment, super genuine comment on one of my notebooks. It was a sentiment analysis or Rick and Morty tweets which is one of my favorites, but he left a comment there. And I remember I was so excited, like I was super happy about it. And afterwards, when I realized I wanted to come back to, to, to Bucharest, when I started searching job, uh, jobs, I texted him as well. And I would also recommend this to anybody because finding a job you need to apply to 100 to get five back responses back and maybe one is gonna gonna say yes so i would recommend to text to anybody and i knew he was a lead in dava i knew he was 
I wanted him, Gabby, I hope you're not listening to me. I really, I really, really wanted a mentor. And uh, he... Data, the data science field is changing a lot fast and you can't be a person that isn't open to change to be a good data scientist because if you're using words today in two years i it's gonna be obsolete maybe not words is a good example but look at i don't know just simple vanilla neural networks they aren't used anymore you use more complex algorithms or you aren't using a uh, regression, you are using an XJBoost, for example, or random forest or whatever. So you need a person who's open, who likes it, who reads, who is passionate about data science. And he is, and I knew he was just because he was so active on Kaggle and he liked it. And I, I, I saw he, it, he had an interest in it. So I was thinking that I really wanted to find a job, not really, it wasn't the job I was looking for, it was kind of a person that would teach me things mm -hmm. uh, and I had a lot of interviews with people that I didn't I could have went further but I just stopped them just because I knew if I get this job I'm not I don't I won't like this person mm -hmm. and I won't be able to work with him yeah so I found Gabby on Kaggle and I'm super lucky that he he saw uh, opportunity in me and I'm super grateful uh, for that yeah, maybe we can talk a bit about uh, this process for looking for a job. So you said that you need to apply for 100 positions to get just one job offer. So for you, how many did you apply to? It wasn't 100 just because, but it, it took me a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, but it depends. It depends a lot and you don't need to go into looking for a job thinking that it's going to take me a long time because it might not. But usually, and in my case, I remember I started... So to give you a, a comparison, I am the struggling one, <laughs> usually. And I had another colleague in my master's who she, she's super smart and she found a job much quicker so it took me for example I started looking for a job in June and it took me until October to get the proposition she on the other hand started looking in August and late August somewhere beginning of August and in late August she already told me she was having an offer kind of so it depends and it's hard and you're looking at other people and maybe they are more lucky, uh, but you need to be resilient. I didn't apply to 100 jobs just because I remember I was having a habit every Friday. I would stay for two or three hours to apply just because I couldn't find 100 jobs to apply to because it was mm -hmm. COVID. <laughs> mm -hmm. So... I, I was trying in Bucharest, which is a metro, kind of, it's a metropolitan area, it's the capital of Romania. Um, but I was also trying uh, to other countries to be remote. 
there weren't many positions for a junior data scientist. You know that, uh, so everybody looks for a trainee data scientist with the senior knowledge and the, no, a junior data scientist with a senior knowledge, but the salary of a traineeship or something. Mm -hmm. I wasn't, I didn't fit. So it took me a while. And I had many rejections as well, which hurt. <laughs> Sorry to hear. Uh, what were the main difficulties for you? So you said it was, uh, so you started in June and you found in October. So I think it's like, mm -hmm. um, I don't know, five months. It took five months. Yeah. Or, uh, so what were the main difficulties for you in this process? Uh, the main difficulty, and it still is a big difficulty for me, is the coding part. Mm -hmm. okay. So is it like a lot of competition or just people don't want to hire juniors to work remotely or? No, it's that. Um, so in all the interviews I had, besides the one for Endava, so with Gabi. So all the other interviews I had were testing me on coding, but on algorithmic coding. Mm -hmm. Like or code, uh, style. It was, um, I remember I had, so I had an interview for this company. I'm not gonna name names just because it, it doesn't matter. And my partner was having an interview exactly for the same company. I was having it for Romania, but he was having it for, I think, London. It doesn't matter, but it was the same company. And we had a part of one day, he had a coding uh, interview and I also had a technical interview, not a really, a coding. He had an easier, so he's in cybersecurity. He had an easier algorithm than I had, which I was applying for a data scientist. And I was like, what's happening? And when they tell you, okay, try to solve this and they watch you. <laughs> and I'm like, I have no idea what you're telling me. Please, can we please talk about data sets? Can we please talk about projects? Can What? And I remember it, I was struggling a lot just because I was doing a lot of um, <clears throat> algorithmic coding online with exercises which I, I hate I genuinely hate because these are the interviews whereas for example for Endava what happened is I just had a normal conversation because I already they already kind of knew that I knew data science and I know at least roughly how to code because of my projects on Kaggle so the only thing was talking about, okay, how would you solve this problem? Okay, what about this? Okay, so we have this project or what projects have you been working on? How did you solve it? So it was more about, um, how would you say, uh, how you think a problem. Mm -hmm. Not, I'm going to see if you know this algorithm that you need to know by heart. And uh, if you don't, I'm not going to hire you. Okay. Yeah. So most of the interviews were of this sort of uh, uh, asking like, okay, like, uh, 
I don't know, uh, one famous uh, example I often got in the past was, uh, you know, you have like a string with brackets, uh-huh. you know, opening brackets and uh, closing, and you need to find out if it's uh, balanced or not balanced. Oh, okay. And this kind of stuff that you don't need at work at all. So like more like a brain teasers. So I, I guess uh, most of the uh, the interviews they were asking for these kind of things, right? They put me to create a class uh-huh. that would receive a. I, I, I'm trying to remember the problem correctly. It's a, a popular one, and if you try to find it on Google, you, you you'll find. But I can't remember the name. It's the thing that. You have a tree and on any node you give, you want to get the other nodes that have the same neighbors. It was something like that. And I don't even work with classes. Like I usually don't, uh, just with PyTorch. And it's usually pretty, if you know a few examples, you can make them. But I was like, I I have no idea how to work. Can you? So it was very difficult for mm-hmm. me. And usually, you finish these interviews kind of negatively impacted, being like, "Oh, I'm super stupid. Like I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be doing this." But it's not true. It's mm-hmm. and the other interview, for example, that I had, it was for pandas, but they didn't let me Google, which I think it's something stupid as well just because you google a lot at work um and they put me also it was on pandas but they put me to do this weird long um kind of not really function but when you call multiple pandas function to get something a filtering of some sorts from this from from a table and I managed to get almost to the end. Uh, and I remember the guy being like, oh, you know, you should know this. This is super simple. And when they tell you it's super simple, you're, you're feeling more stupid, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So in my opinion, they are not realistic. Mm-hmm. Okay. That is, so that must be a very frustrating experience. But uh, yeah. Also, we all go through this. Yes. Uh, but what I heard is like uh, your visibility on Kaggle and your passion, because uh, I hear from you that uh, you're super passionate about uh, Kaggle and community there. So you had uh, like you had some visibility. You have visibility there. People know you. People see your notebooks. People uh, see what you do there. And for people in the community, uh, they recognize you, right? And then uh, uh, this also helps having some visibility in a community to get a job. And I guess this was one of the factors how you managed to uh, eventually get that one offer at the end, right? From from this company. Uh, it's better than only to have a CV, mm-hmm. to be like, I know Python, to also be like, I know Python. Look, my Kegel mm-hmm. profile, I use Python. Uh, I am familiar with PyTorch. It's just the CV... Whereas this other guy who's like, I know PyTorch, look, these are three projects on Kaggle that I did using PyTorch. Because you can see, and I don't know how familiar are companies with uh, Kaggle, but I think they are starting to. Mm -hmm. And having a portfolio 
is super important rather than only having CV. Uh, CV is resume, sorry, resume. Yes, uh, doesn't matter, I think it's the same thing. <laughs> okay, yeah, and uh, it can be Kaggle, it can be maybe just a GitHub profile or I don't know, Anything. a homepage uh, with uh, projects or blog posts. Projects. Okay. But I think the good thing about Kaggle is you have a community element there. If you just write blog posts, maybe nobody sees this blog post. But on Kaggle, you have this community. You also have this social uh, element where people can follow each other. So every time you create a notebook, uh, I don't know how many followers you have on Kaggle, but all these people see your notebook and then they rush and uh, upvote the notebook. And uh, I don't think the followers no. see, no, because no. I have many people, pe uh, people that I follow and I usually, I don't know how the algorithm works, mm -hmm. but on the feeds, I don't, you, I, I don't see them usually. Okay. But yes, it's it's a mm -hmm. big interactivity. And if you're doing some amazing work, people eventually are going to follow. But it doesn't... So I have many notebooks that I'm not that proud of that are super, super uh, upvoted. And I have other notebooks that are my pride and joy, truly, and have very little or almost no upvotes at, uh, at all. So it's the thing that you want to create. It's not really, it, the upvotes matter. And I would be, it wouldn't be true if I would say they are, aren't, don't matter at all. They matter. But it's not good to start working on Kaggle with that goal in mind. Mm -hmm. Because you aren't gonna get far by looking at the numbers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have a related question. So why do you prefer Kaggle over GitHub for showcasing your project's work and uh, code? I guess just because I'm more familiar with it. Mm -hmm. oh, I link GitHub with coding and with libraries, whereas I link Kaggle with... Um, projects and with community and showcasing some sort of algorithm or result or whatever. Uh, and this is why I, I thought at some point to move my notebooks uh, to GitHub as well, but I don't think it's going to do me any, any good or any more justice. So, but, but there are people that have quite amazing githubs so if you are the person that makes life easier doing functions and creating libraries or amazing amazing stuff go ahead and do github mm -hmm. okay and uh, so as i understood for you when you were make, making the switch from analytics to data science the, the biggest problem for you was uh, coding right so like especially in interviews like how do you pass all these uh, coding interviews uh, that are uh, difficult uh, and stressful and also sometimes they say oh it's easy but uh, for you it's not and it's demotivating but um, yeah I, there were also things a that you did as a data analyst, uh, analyst, analyst that were helpful for you, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, some data wrangling skills. Uh, so what were the, the things that were useful for you uh, as a data scientist now? I guess um, 
the most important thing, I guess, it was the process of solving a problem. Because in, so I did statistics and at work I was doing data analytics, which aren't quite hand in hand, but these two as a mix gave me, I remember the most important thing I learned from Avon was triple, quadruple check, whatever you did. Um, you did a group by check the data to see if everything is fine. Because I sent some reports that were quite messed up to 60 people. And then 60 people came back to me being like, no, you're wrong. And then I sent them back being like, look, now they are good. And then 60 people came back to me being like, no, you're wrong again. <laughs> so triple check the data, which is also super important in machine learning because you can have data leakage. You have missing data that needs to be, needs to be tackled. You have variables that you need to understand them. You need to have business knowledge and domain knowledge, which also is super helpful. Um, from statistics, I remember I the distributions, understanding the data, understanding what's a, a tabular data set, not really a data frame, but tabular data set, understanding KPIs. These all are super important within the data pre-processing and analyzing part. <clears throat> and now that I'm talking, I realize maybe this is why I like it so much rather than hardcore modeling. I like that part as well. But again, that part needs a little bit more coding expertise that I am struggling to gain as I move forward. I want to gain more, but it's just an area that for me doesn't come as easily as exploring and losing yourself into the data and understanding things that are super super interesting so correlations as well these particularities and subtleties now there are many people that come to me and ask but isn't this the harder part and the coding is the easy part i actually i'm participating in some courses now where the class is talking to the teacher and they are like can you please teach us more coding and less slides? Mm -hmm. And he comes back and says, well, you'll see the slides are more important than the coding. Now I disagree. <laughs> 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 because this is my opinion and this is my background talking. Maybe a software engineer is going to be disagreeing with me as well. We can agree to disagree. But in my opinion, it's easier to understand the concept and it's easier to, you don't really need to go so deep into the mathematics. Only if you want to do research, then you'll need to, but just to use the algorithms, you don't need to go so deep into mathematics. Whereas the coding part, you need to know how to do stuff. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you know the idea, you need to, understand how to do them and at work now as well I am 
the most struggling part is when I know what to do. It happened to me these two days. I know what to do. I understand the problem. How do I do this? (laughs) (laughs) And it takes me a little bit longer, which is annoying, but I'm going to get there. Yeah, so uh, I understand that... uh... I also see that in other data analysts, so who are pretty good at understanding data, getting insights from the data, querying data, do the data manipulation and calculating some statistics, doing exploratory data analysis. But when it comes to coding, it becomes difficult. I, I know you're still uh, going through and learning uh, that. Um, maybe you can... Uh, share some plans like how you how you want to do this like how you want to approach that are you taking some courses uh, to 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 improve that site or um <clears throat> at the moment i stopped completely kind of doing courses mm-hmm. because i found out through experience that the best way to learn something is to projects like exactly like you said Mm-hmm. so what is so and what usually is the plan <laughs> and has been for the past one year and a half um is find a competition maybe i can't wait for an nlp competition actually kegel can you please give us an nlp i remember last year when i was like no no i'm not doing nlp computer vision they had a bunch of uh, natural language processing competitions and now they don't have any and they have a lot of computer vision. But what I usually do is I focus on a subject or something that sounds interesting. And then I think uh, 80% of the times I join a competition without having, having no idea how to solve the problem, like mm-hmm. no clue whatsoever. But then the plan is to study very very well a few notebooks because and I say this a lot in my notebooks the baseline many times the baseline is from other people like it's not mine and I feel like sometimes people are ashamed that they aren't original you can't invent the wheel and if you're learning you'll need to practice And you can practice from these people that are super knowledgeable. So take their code is fine. Twist it and do something and then build upon it and say, okay, this is the baseline from this person. Amazing. Thank you so much. So give them credits. But I usually, and this is the plan. I take the code from somebody. I try to explain it very, very deeply. Because knowledgeable people on Kaggle, although they explain a lot, they don't explain enough. (laughs) And I need to get even deeper and to start coding myself and rename the variables like I'm going to understand them, I'm going to, and so on. And afterwards, after I understood everything, I can start trying to build upon it and research and look at many other more Kaggle notebooks and so on. Mm-hmm. This is the plan, and it has been working pretty well. Mm-hmm. So basically, you take a notebook that somebody shared, you try to decompose it, understand uh, what every line is doing, you try to rearrange the code, you try to change the variables until you understand every 
bit of uh, every line of code, every every letter there in the in the code, and then you start to improve that code. Start mm -hmm. to try to up uh, to I don't know, try a new model, maybe uh, do something else there. Okay, because we have a question from Mert. Um, what do you think about learning with imitating? Uh, if we try to imitate and then just copy other notebooks and understand, do you think uh, it's a good way? And I think you just answered that because this is what you're doing. Maybe not imitating, but uh, you know, taking uh, what others did and trying to really decompose it into simplest pieces and then understand each piece uh, separately, right? And then kind of have this big picture. Uh, and uh, the best way is... Um... And I recommend this a lot, but this helps. And I've, I, I've did this even from the beginning, from their uh, uh, Portillas uh, Udemy course. Don't fork the notebooks because you already have the code. Start a new notebook and then have the other one that you are imitating, like you've said, on the other, uh, on the left side or somewhere else to look at it. And then take each line of code one by one and write them yourself. Because pr this is practice. This is not just reading, you are actually writing them and it's gonna imprint in your memory. And I, I, if you're doing this five times, you're gonna know every single letter in that notebook. And this way, you can start printing, you can start adding or subtracting without already having a bunch of code and then trying to add or remove or change something because you won't really understand as much then. You want to take it with you to dirty your hands. This is what I'm trying to say. And how much time do you spend on this decomposition? Because I imagine that's uh, not five minutes, right? It's, a, few uh, days. few days. a few days. So that's a few evenings, right? Or Yeah. Oh, to say, uh, oh, it depends. But it can take from six, seven, eight hours to... I had one that uh, I had an error. <laughs> it took me a while to debug uh, that took I think five almost full days <laughs> but I ended up with a pretty nice notebook afterwards yeah uh, I remember uh, with uh, this approach I also uh, try to follow something similar um, I'm not active on Kaggle anymore but I was at some point I was trying to do something similar and then uh, I was trying to decompose a notebook and then I thought, okay, now I understand what's going on. And then I rerun and my model is two times worse than the original one, right? And then, okay, what did I change when it stopped working? <laughs> like, because the code in my head, it's the same, right? <laughs> I it just happens to me as well. <laughs> so, and then I would spend, I don't know, like many, many hours trying to understand what, uh, what did I break? And then what I ended up doing is just, okay, I'm throwing away this notebook. I'm starting from scratch and then executing every cell and then changing uh, like a tiny bit and then making sure the results stay the same. And that takes a lot of time. That's like, uh, I don't know, many days. I can feel your pain <laughs> and I can relate. I know. <laughs> but this then, is how you learn the best. Yes. Like. Yeah. Uh, 
if we go a bit uh, back to your masters, uh, we have mm -hmm. a question from uh, Zach. Uh, did, did you find your masters in data science? Uh, uh, like, do you think it was helpful for your career, or maybe not significantly? I'd never like this question just because I feel it's so. You don't have to answer that. Um, everybody has their, uh, have their own experience. Um, for me, my master's was a great time to have also a lot of time to keggle which I am very grateful. My master's put some sort of arrangement because when you start data science, you're like, oh, oh, oh machine learning. Okay, deep learning, co computer vision, natural language, XJ post, what, uh, PCA, what's everything? It's, it's extremely uh, wide and broad. And you, you don't know what to, to start with. So my master's really helped me decompose that knowledge and start indeed step by step. And I remember when I was doing my statistics module, I was just finishing and understanding a little bit of how to process the data. And then I went into understanding Python and then I started doing more and more uh, pre-processing on Kaggle. And then the data mining module was about machine learning and I was doing more machine learning on Kaggle. So I was pairing whatever I was learning. However, unfortunately for me, and this was a, a bummer really, that was that because I was doing so much Kaggle and because I was learning so much on my own, I didn't quite get more from my masters besides learning R. I need to give them that. But besides that, unfortunately, even deep learning, which they were they were calling it machine learning, but the deep learning part, I learned from YouTube. And it took me two months on YouTube and again, printing everything and so on. But unfortunately, they didn't manage to give me more yeah okay um let's say uh, so i i i followed a similar path to you even though my background was uh, in software engineering i also decided to do a master's um but uh, eventually what helped uh, was online courses and Kaggle to actually to really understand uh, uh, machine learning but uh, yeah probably master's was still useful like you said uh, the uh explained where each piece of the puzzle belongs uh, uh, so probably yes but um, also... i would repeat it if i'd be again in the same place i would repeat it 100 mm, percent okay. okay yeah but uh, what i was uh, what i'm trying to ask is um, often people who go from analytics to data science uh, um, 
they don't always uh, it's not always possible for them to go and do a master's to spend one year uh doing that uh, was it one year for you because i think in the uk one it's year. one year right mm-hmm. oh, in in europe in continental europe or at least in germany and i think two in years. most of the other countries it's two years so not everyone has this luxury to stop working for two two years and uh, you know, completely immersed into that. Maybe you have some recommendations for them, like uh, what would you do if you couldn't do masters and uh, say you had a full-time job as a data analyst? Uh, like, would it also be follow the same path, like do this course on Udemy, do courses on Kaggle, then try to, uh, you know, get into notebooks and uh, all these things we discussed? Or would you suggest something else on top of that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so exactly what you said I wouldn't suggest anything else just because I don't have I, I am afraid to suggest some things that I didn't do just because mm-hmm. it, it's, it wouldn't be appropriate however if you start as I said from scratch if you do that course or if not you can safely go onto kaggle and start from there you don't really need that course uh, you can start from kaggle straight up and for six months maybe to one year every evening three days a week let's say you emerge a few hours into the data science part at the end of that year you'll have knowledge you'll have to show something which is super important you'll have community if you are engaging with people on linkedin on twitter or i don't know anywhere you can you can find on youtube also ken kenji who's one of the ambassadors uh for zibaish and nvidia he's awesome by the way and he's doing uh the 66 days uh, data science challenge you can go and follow him. You don't need a teacher to, to tell you what to do. And there are lots of resources out there. Um, you can pivot from data analysis to data science in maximum one year. If you're like relaxing and taking your time and enjoying the process, maybe one year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the, this aspect of... Uh... Uh, going through uh, coding exercise, uh, ex- uh, like coding uh, uh, interviews, that's probably a uh, uh, stressful part, but you have to go through this, right? So there is uh, no way around that. Unfortunately, no. Or maybe become a Kaggle Grandmaster. In uh, it doesn't help. <laughs> doesn't <laughs> help. For me, it doesn't help. <laughs> they still yeah. want to to stress you and yes. put you under pressure. Like <laughs> you need to find also right people. So I guess the, this is where the networking aspect comes uh, into play. That uh, and you have that aspect networking on Kaggle and probably other social platforms like LinkedIn and Twitter. Like you get, you connect to people, and then probably it helps uh, for them to see you, to see what you do, and then uh, they already know you. They already know what uh, what you're capable of because they can see your notebooks, and that probably helps with uh, to at least start the conversation, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, and uh, one thing we didn't talk about. Um, 
So we talked that you are Kaggle Grandmaster in notebooks. And I think we also maybe can spend a couple of minutes talking about that. Because for many people, when they hear Kaggle, what they imagine is, I think you mentioned that once, like a spaceship of models. Uh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, like all these uh, models put on top of models, put on top of models. Uh, that at A the lot end, of you buttons. Have... Yes. Uh, but uh, Kaggle is not just about that, right? And uh, you don't need to focus just on competitions to get uh, to learn a lot from Kaggle. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what you did, you followed the, the notebook kind of tier. I don't know if like, you, you can call that, but uh, the, the, the notebook path. And uh, yeah, so notebook what I wanted to path. say is uh, <laughs> like you don't have to focus on competitions because it's... Uh, uh, it's difficult, right? It's difficult to get this gold model in competition. It's uh, you need to spend so much time there, like. Uh, but you don't have to do this, right? To, um, to you know, you, to learn things. Besides this discussion, which I think they started putting medals in discussions, just because there were indeed so some people that were very helpful in their comments. And I un completely understand that tier. You can learn from any of the three um, tiers, as you, I think they are called, yeah. Mm -hmm. Competitions, of course, just because you are training, you are you're looking at other people and the leaderboard, and they are absolutely fruitful and amazing. Uh, notebooks, again, because I... Not all my notebooks are on competitions, but you can do notebooks on competitions to, again, understand the process better. Um, you can also do them on different topics that you like or something maybe you're passionate, like I was about sentiment analysis. Do a notebook on sentiment analysis. See how you can gather the data and so on. And talking about the data, the data sets, I feel like they are a little bit underappreciated but they are super important because if you, uh, because I told you about Gabi. So Gabi Preda, he just became a, a datasets grandmaster. He's three times grandmaster now on Kaggle. And he scrapes the information and he up, updates it, which is an effort on its own. But the idea of scraping the data and making little scripts or big scripts, I don't know <laughs> what he's doing or how, <laughs> how advanced he is, but just gathering the data and putting it in a clean format and it's a skill on its own. And data sets, I feel like they are the hardest to gain a medal in just because it's very hard to put out a data that's super, super important and very valuable to the people. So data sets, again, it's super easy, especially if you want to do a, uh, be a data engineer, in my opinion. I know a guy who wants to be that and he wants to start Kaggle only for data sets because he's, he likes to take clutter and make it neat, I guess. He's a clutter, like a, a clean freak or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you can learn in any tier. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Anything else we didn't cover but you wanted to share? I don't think so. Any last tips? Yeah. 
Use social media. Okay. Yeah. Which one? Twitter, LinkedIn, or doesn't matter? Uh, both. Heavily. Yeah. How, how should we use this? Like, let's say somebody is looking for a job. What should they do? Um, try to build. And this takes time. This, this takes time. A lot of time. <laughs> but try to make your social media, especially LinkedIn and Twitter, as focused on data science as possible. And try to showcase there your work, share data science things related, um, and everything that gathers a community and builds a community, because there comes the opportunities as well. And there comes the more knowledge because you meet more people and the, having a community is extremely important it's maybe more important than being very good at something if you you need to have the community in my opinion and it is super important and people don't talk enough about this so use social media to showcase your work to show that you're passionate be kind be gentle thank to people that helped you super important and try to add more to this community try to be a bonus not something that i don't know uses all that information but is just trying to keep it to its own or something like that so give and share and the world will be a better place <laughs> 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 yeah, that's a great way to finish uh, today's uh, conversation, I think. So I, so people, where can people find you? So LinkedIn, Twitter, Kaggle. Uh, I, I, I'll share all the links uh, after the, the chat. I'll put them in description. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess uh, that's all uh, for today. Yeah, thanks a lot for joining us today and sharing all this experience and also being open about all the struggles you had. And I think many people who are going through a similar transition now will appreciate that, uh, especially uh, this interview part, uh, because I know it's uh, not easy. So thanks a lot. And uh, yeah, and uh, thanks uh, everyone who is listening. And uh, yeah, drop by next week when we have events. Yeah, and subscribe. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I always wanted to say that on YouTube. <laughs> okay. So subscribe and press the what the like. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Likes, uh, comments, subscribe. <laughs> yeah. okay. It was nice talking to you. So, so uh, have a great weekend.